Hi, welcome to church today. The message you're about to listen to came from a recent gathering at our church. Be encouraged as you enjoy this message. Morning. Thank you. I thought I'd speak in my British today, if that's all right. No? All right then. Wow, it really, I feel like I'm in the middle of anointing. Might just be the echo. Or it could just be his presence. Um, hmm. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna try. Because about four weeks ago I had a message. Is it do I have to stay up here? Can I move? I won't get in front of the speakers, but I just um I like to I wanna about four weeks ago I had a message that I felt like the Lord had challenged me to speak. And then he wrecked it and then we threw that out the window. Um, because sometimes when you come to church, it's for the word, it's for the worship, it's for the welcome, it's for the community, but it's actually just to be with Jesus. Yeah. So we'll, we'll get to that. I'm going to give you a quick update and then I'm going to. So much family here today. So many friendly faces. A couple of questionable ones. But that's okay. By the end of the service, either it'll stay that way and you'll never see me again or we'll be friends. Either way, I'm okay because we'll, we'll both be in heaven and then we'll have to make it up then. So um, my wife and I, uh, how many of you remember when we lived here as a family for about 10 years between 2000 and 2010? Yeah. <laughs> Um, in fact, let me tell you a little story about this church. I, uh, I found my purpose when I was in this church. I was about 13. I wrote a, I wrote a song for Father's Day. And I played on this really old piano with big push buttons. And during that Sunday, Carol Pierce, who used to lead worship at the church, spoke a word over me about the anointing that was on my life for worship and for music. And it was so big and it was so great, it scared me. I ran away from not just church, but from the Lord for <laughs> a while as well. I mean, if you can't embrace it, I figured, why not run away from it? And the Lord was like, yeah, about that. So I came back and I, and I kind of found myself again back in this church. Um, in fact, it was Pastor Ed and Lori who, uh, the Bible school that they went to, I went to also, is where I met that absolutely beautiful woman. Yep. It's just proof that God overlooks your stupidity and your failures and gives you something amazing. Yes, right. She has no idea what's going to happen. I just like, hey, I need you to play today. So um, anyway. So we moved back to the States uh, at the end of 2009. The Lord had really took us on a journey there. We became worship pastors in a church. Uh, it was a multi-site church. There's like six campuses now. We did four services before lunchtime on a Sunday. Um, managed a, a team of about 25 or 30 musicians over the lifespan. But in that eight years of being there in that church, there were some things that God taught me about people. Specifically musicians, because you already know musicians are weird comes with the territory, but be grateful that they don't get so weird that they lose their minds. Pray for those ones. Um, but the ones that keep it and their hearts fixed on the Lord are pretty powerful. Um, and then about two years ago, the Lord began to speak to us about moving. I hate it when he does that because I get comfortable. Uh, the parts of me is a creature of habit. Parts of me is random. And where I live, I like to be the concrete part. The things that I do, I like to be the random. Um, 
but he started speaking into our lives about going back to something that we had talked about at our fifth wedding anniversary in Bakersfield, California. And that was to own houses around the world where musicians and artists and creatives could go and they could rest and they could recuperate. And if they couldn't afford to get there, we would be able to pay for them to go there, be there. And if they needed money because they, they were away. From, anyway, you get the point. We wanted to create an environment for creatives to come and go. And we wrote this stuff out on our fifth wedding anniversary. And then here we are in 2000 and what year is it? 18. 2016, the Lord was like, how about that? I was like, what do you mean? He goes, well, you're going to do that or are you just going to keep dreaming about it? There's a big difference between dreaming and having a dream. Oh, I'm, you just wait, bro. <laughs> Sitting on the front row. You're in the spitting distance. Having a dream. But, you know, you also have to have vision and then you have to have a plan and you have to live by faith. You have to put it into work. So here we are, 2016, God starts speaking to us about making a move up to Nashville. Anybody ever heard that? Anybody in here like country music? No? No. Shame on you. I'm just kidding. I live in country town. But we didn't move there for country music at this point. <laughs> never say never. Um, so we moved up there in August of this year. Um, we moved into a house that we can't afford. Um, it was a total miracle. I woke up one day and I just knew the Lord said, that's my house. I didn't know why. I didn't know what miracle happens. We're in this big old house. It sits on three acres of land next to the river, which means absolutely nothing. Um, and only that the point of it is I'm, I'm just trying to tell you that we decided to step out of the boat and follow the dream and do the thing that God had, but we had to put faith into action and actually use our feet and step out and trust and to do all this thing to create an environment for people to come. And, and here's the thing. If, if I didn't step out, if I didn't break out of what I was comfortable in, how could I expect for anybody to come into my home or my place and experience their own breakthrough? What's the point of creating an environment for people to come and get a breakthrough if it didn't cost you one to get there? Yeah, so we have this big old house built in 1987, which, you know, in the States, the newer the house, the nicer it is. In England, the older the house, the nicer it is. Except for things like plumbing and electricity. Yeah. So, America, when you move into a house that's built in 1987, everything creaks. And the pipes do this weird thing where they sing. When you shut off the hot water. And the first night I was like, demons, you must, you must leave. Anyway, side note, I digress. We're still walking out. Why, why? Here's the thing. If God gives you a dream and you decide to make a, a decision or a declaration in the natural from something that you received in the spirit, maybe be a little more particular about what it is. Because I saw this house and I went, that's my house. And God goes, <laughs> there you go. Creaky floors and singing pipes and all. Um, anyway, so we've moved and we're not even involved in, in church in the sense of we're not leading, we're not pastoring. We attend a church, which is very, it is fabulous. I'm going to be completely honest with you. After doing eight years, 50 weekends a year, doing 6.45 in the morning till one and four services, 55 minutes, a little bit like this, not quite as... Um, a little more time restraint would be the way to do that. It, it, it kind of wore on me. And not because there's anything wrong with doing that, because God gave us the grace to do it while we were, but because it wasn't the thing that we were ultimately meant to be doing. So Lish and I went, y'all remember Ray Hughes? So we, we, I called him and I said, hey, Lish and I are on the verge of a life-making decision. It, it all sits on you, bro. Um, can I come see you? <laughs> And he's like, well, it doesn't sit on me, so yeah, you can, you can come. And we just spent some time with him, and he said something that kind of rocked our worlds just a little bit. He said, you know, the season you're coming into is because you were faithful with what you were called to. Now you're going to be faithful with what you were born for. I didn't say, wow. I was annoyed. I was like, what do you mean? I just wasted, like, 20 years of my life? Or, like, what does that mean? Like, that wasn't, I didn't hear it the right way. And the Lord was like, chill. The point is, is that we're stepping into something that was what we were literally wired for, what we were created for. 
this is going somewhere, so in case you're wondering. I have like two hours, so I'll land it before we get. Just kidding. I can't preach for two hours. The, oh, you can? <laughs> um, you'll be out of here before lunch. Um, there's two questions I love to ask people whenever I get the chance to talk. I'm going to ask them to you now so you can be thinking about it through the entire rest of your life. If time and money wasn't an issue, what would you be doing right now? See, money comes and goes, kind of means nothing, except for when you need it. But time is something that you never get back, because once it's gone, it's gone. God has an amazing way of redeeming time. But ultimately, the reason why I'm asking the question is because this church, part of the heartbeat, has been permission to dream. Yeah? How many of you dream? So let me ask the question a couple of different ways. How many of you have dreams in the night that you can remember when you wake up in the morning? Okay. How many of you have dreams in the night that make sense to you when you wake up in the morning? Yeah. And how many of you have dreams at night that actually speak to you in a way that it makes you think about your future or what you're doing? Yeah. How many of you are being faithful to the dream that God has given you? So by what I mean by that is if the one thing that you do right now isn't the thing that you would be willing to die for, why are you living for it? So think about dreams. About two years ago, God said to me, why, why are you trying to do something that you're not really passionate about? And I said, well, because I've committed to it and I'm, I'm being faithful. And he said, yeah, but the problem is you weren't created for it, so you're robbing somebody else's passion. Yeah. See, if, you don't, if, if it doesn't keep you up at night and it won't get you up early in the morning, you're actually helping somebody else fulfill theirs. In America, we call that employment. There's nothing wrong with it, so don't, I'm not saying that, but, but, but there's something that is intrinsically inside each and every one of you that you were literally put on this earth for. Before you ever had the external, the real you that God created and wrapped the skin and the body around was hinged upon a single dream that was yours and nobody else's. Don't waste your life. Don't waste the moments that you have in your life. Now, for some of you to be like, wow, that was not what I was expecting on Sunday morning. Here's the thing about, I think, the way God works. He is more in love with you than you realize. I'm going to There's something I need to say to you, but I don't want to do it just yet. So, I know Lucy. Lucy's my friend, but the Lord very clearly spoke something to me this morning about her. Let's do this. Why don't you stand up with me for a bit? Are there any? Can it do pads as well? I heard it earlier. There was this cool little pad thing that I watched him like. a presence, people get attracted to it and drawn into it. So we should do the same. What I want you to do right now is just to close your eyes and however you feel comfortable, raise your hands a little bit, none. It's more about the act that's inside your heart.
just before we we came here, Lish and I went to a, a conference in Orlando, Florida, with uh, Todd White, Heidi Baker, Michael, Jessica Kulianos, Benny Hinn, Ben Fitzgerald. I mean, it was like my mind was lost. Because from the very instance that worship started, what I became aware of wasn't just the presence of Jesus, but it was literally Him. Sometimes we, we settle for second best, a glimpse of Him, a moment with Him, a song that makes us feel good or maybe it stirs our heart, but we miss the point because it's actually about Him. And over the, the course of these four days, I just kept hearing Jesus say, why do you say you love me? And I kept saying, because I do. But he's like, but why? And I started listing off all the things that he does and all the things that, that he's been. And he said, see, but I want you just to love me just for me. And it kind of made me realize that a lot of my walk, a lot of my faith has been centered around what I can get from the Lord or what I can give the Lord in these places and in these times. But actually what he wants is just to be with me and for me to be with him. And as I started thinking about the message that I had for today, coming into Christmas, it was going to be awesome. It's going to be this really cool Christmas message. But it would have been completely pointless because actually what he wants is to reveal himself to you guys today. But he doesn't want to just reveal part of who he is or an aspect of his nature or his character. He just wants to reveal himself. But in order for you to see that and to receive that, you have to look past the moment. It's actually not about your eyes being closed or about your hands being lifted up. It's when you move from a place of loving Jesus to being in love with Jesus. Because it changes your whole perspective. When I first met my wife, I couldn't put words together because she was beautiful. Absolutely stunning. And she'll even tell you in the beginning I made a, a lasting impression. It wasn't a good one. But as we got to know each other, I fell in love with her because of the time that I was spending with her. And see, now we, we love each other and it's 22 years down the road and, and we love each other, but we're still in love. So maybe you're here this morning and um, life's had a few curveballs. Maybe when I asked the first of the two questions, if time and money wasn't an issue, what would you be doing right now? And I challenged you about dreams, and if you're not passionate, maybe it, it got under your skin, it kind of threw you out of whack. But the thing is, the Lord is faithful to reveal who He is, why He created you, what He created you for. The second question is, what would you try if you knew you couldn't fail? See, I think some of us have settled for second best. We've settled for okay or all right and not his best, not the thing. And I would even probably hedge my bets and say that if I asked some of you if the job or the career that you're in was the thing that when you were a little kid you dreamed of doing, you'd probably say no. Some would say yes. If there was a gift that I think would be most appropriate around Christmas time, it would be the gift of a dream. Bible talks about being childlike 
I remember Kelsey came home to visit after she had been at Bethel. And one morning in worship, she shared about being childlike versus childish. And it was amazing to watch the faces of the people in our church. Because being childlike is actually quite powerful. It's quite important. Childish just gets annoying. We all have moments in our lives where we act childish because we don't get what we want. But childlike has this ability just to completely rely and to trust and to believe and to think beyond anything that makes any sense. And I feel like part of what the Lord wants to do today is to take some of you back to that place where you can be childlike. some of your minds are just going there's like a million things that are going on in your head because it's been so long since you just sat and received just let Jesus do what he does with there being no agenda no specific need there's nothing wrong with coming to the Father you're supposed to do that but if your relationship with him is based solely on any time you need something or you want something or you're believing for or you're praying for, so you come to him with those things, but you never come just to be with him, you're missing out on half of the relationship. so close that we feel the warmth you know when, when you get inside someone's personal space or you give them a hug and, and you can feel whether they're hot or whether they're cold or whether they're hard or whether they're soft Lord that, that we would um,
just a moment Lord, I know that you're faithful and that you do so many things but today is about being about being in his presence you know I always love this story in scripture between Mary and Martha and Martha is busy doing stuff all around but Mary is just sitting at his feet and she's just loving on him Martha's getting bent out of shape the one it kind of messes with your head because for a lot of us we're kind of performance based Christians and not presence based We've lost intimacy over doing. In the time and the culture, when that perfume was poured, it made no sense in the natural. It was almost foolish. And yet that act, that crazy act of love, is what he responded to. You can, you can sit. We may not be done there. But, uh, I'm going to read something to you out of um, Second Kings. Elizabeth, I didn't give you this, but that's okay. Let me just read it out of here. This is a little, this is a little different than than where I was, but I just was prompted to share this. Dad and I were talking about this this morning, and I just keep thinking about, especially at Christmas, we tend to get in headspace. It's Second Kings 4. Now the wife of a son of the prophet cried to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord, but the creditor has come to take away my two sons to be his slaves. Let's translate that into modern culture. They're coming to repossess your house or your car. It's against the law nowadays to take your kids to settle a debt. But, um, you know, if, if, you, if you owed so much that you couldn't pay it, that you'd lost everything, you might feel like you've lost everything, your family included. Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? I'm guessing he wasn't a multi-billionaire. Tell me, what have you of sale value in the house? And she said, your handmaid has nothing in the has nothing in the house except for a jar of oil. culture oil doesn't mean a whole lot it did in theirs but it's just significant that she says all she has is a jar of oil because then he said go around and borrow vessels from all your neighbors empty vessels and not a few and when you come in shut the door upon you and your sons then pour out the oil that you have into all those vessels setting aside each one when it is full so she went from him and shut the door upon herself and her sons, who brought to her the vessels as she poured the oil. This verse, man. When the vessels were all full, she said to her son, Bring me another vessel. And he said to her, There is not a single one left. Then the oil stopped multiplying. An empty vessel that gets filled, and another empty vessel that gets filled, and another empty vessel that gets filled, and when all the emptiness is gone, the oil stops. So let's translate that into today's culture. 
You spend too much money, you're up to your eyeballs in debt. You don't know where the next paycheck or the next meal is going to come from, and you don't know what to do. But because of a performance-based mindset, you think that God won't provide for you and that He can't provide for you because you did something wrong and you're not doing something right. But that's not what I see when I read through the Bible. There's stories after stories of how God continued to provide for His kids regardless. It makes no sense in the natural. And that's not to say, go out today, buy that Porsche that you wanted for Christmas, and go nuts. It's the reality that the relationship that the father wants with his kids goes beyond those moments. The point of the story was when she had nothing, but she was faithful to do what she was commanded and instructed. She ended up with more than what she needed. I'm trying to picture in my head. being in a house and have nothing but oil. Like just, you know, we, we get upset when the, the boiler quits. But if the only thing that we had in our house was a jar of oil and somehow miraculously it continued to multiply and to multiply and to multiply and to multiply, and I can't help but think about what was the relationship like with her neighbors or with her friends that she was like, can I, can I have your, your empty vessel? Another question that sticks in my head is, well, why was theirs empty? Hmm. That's another message for another day about community and, and friendship. But I just was prompted earlier to just encourage you that regardless of what you're facing right now, you can't, if you're... How you see the Father affects how you approach the Father. And sometimes it affects how you receive from the Father. <laughs> and what He wants is He just wants to love you. He wants to be with you. And the amazing thing about when we're obedient to do that is that in those places and in those times is when He begins to speak into our lives and to help shape us and turn us and wisdom comes and discernment comes we're able to make decisions based on truth not perceived truth or false anyway that wasn't part of my message but I just God's been challenging me over the last five or six months as we made this move to stop being afraid of his provision and not being afraid of trying to perform and do the right thing in order to see his provision continue. I'm going to ask a, a question. Don't embarrass your kids because I'm not going to embarrass mine. But have you, ever, have you ever done anything in spite of their stupidity as parents? Have you ever decided to do the right thing when they're doing the wrong thing? It's a loaded question, I know. It's just a reflection. If, if we're willing to do for our kids or our family, let's take it out of the parent context. Maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a family member, but you've done something that's the right thing when everything in the circumstance is completely the opposite. But you do it, why? Hopefully, probably because you love them. If we can do that in our natural mind and our natural understanding, how much more does God do for us because of the fact that do you realize when he made you when he breathed life into you it wasn't a mistake he wasn't having an off day he wasn't like oh yeah we, we got too many spirits packing up in the warehouse let's get a few of these out and just get them done no he, he doesn't make mistakes when he speaks something into existence the bible says it's going to come to pass he doesn't start something and not finish it we get stuck in this thing where we almost limit or hinder his ability to just do what he wants through us because we have a perception that we've done so many things wrong or maybe our past mistakes invalidate our future and that just eradicates what the cross was he hung on a tree cursed tree so that when you when you come before the Lord he sees Jesus in you so I want you to think about the darkest parts in your heart that you have right now. We all have it. There's nobody in this room who's on the right side of refinement. 
But I want you to picture the darkest part of your heart, and then I want you to imagine that every time you come before the Lord, whether it's in this building or in your own personal time at home, but every time you come before the Lord, He sees Jesus in you. He sees what was done on the cross, that price that was paid for sin, for unbelief, for failure. He did all of those things. And then we want to invalidate it because we can't get over ourselves because we're stuck with this mindset or this thing that's hindering us from seeing the truth of who he really is. But you know how you find the truth of who he really is? You spend time with him. And that's why I was talking about I love Jesus, but I'm learning to be in love with him. To just ponder, just imagine what he looks like. What he looks like on my best day. What he looks like on my worst day. What's he, what's he doing right now while I'm standing here and you're sitting there? He has this amazing ability to do more than we could ever imagine. And yet, somewhere along the way, we've settled for less than imagined. I'm fascinated by having a dream, being a dreamer, fulfilling the dream, while I'm in love with Jesus. What does the dream look like? Because I'm so fixed on Him. Not a measure of Him, an expression of Him, a moment of His presence, but Him, the image, the face. And while we were at this conference and I was standing in the middle of worship, Bethel was there, which, you know, they play one note and heaven opens up and just the ground shakes and stuff happens. But I stood in the middle of it and I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. And the Lord goes, quit worshiping the worship and worship me. And I was like, yeah, yeah, oh yeah, I love you. He's like, I said, quit worshiping the worship, worship me. And I went in an instance of being totally enwrapped in, 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 in this experience because of, yeah, the music was good, the sound was incredible, Steph Gretzinger was all over the place doing her thing, and Amanda Cook and Jeremy Riddle, and I was just like, it's like the powerhouse team. But I realized that I was placing... I place more value on what they were doing and the atmosphere that they were creating than the very person that we were meant to be with. And the, tr the truth is that what they do in private, in their relationship, just being with the Father, is what releases and allows them to do what they do in public. There's a private relationship and there's a public authority that are tied to each other. And I was just reaping the benefits of their overflow. And I'm standing there and I just stopped singing. It almost like I was disconnected from the entire thing. And I put my hand on my heart and I said, I'm so sorry that I have not worshipped you. But I've, I've worshipped for you. I've led worship for you. I haven't led worship to you. For about six months before Lish and I moved, the church that we were part of was going through some major transitions, pastoral changes, all this shifting and stuff that was going on. And I realized that I had come to a place where I was a really good facilitator for worship, but I had lost the ability to just let my worship be me with him. It's really easy to come to church, whether the band is good or bad, whether the technical stuff is working or it isn't, whether the sound is perfect, whether the chairs are comfortable, whether the tube ride was easy, whether parking's free or 50 bucks an hour or whatever it is in London now. All those external circumstances, we come into church and then we're expecting to get something. And some of us, the more mature ones, are coming with an anticipation to give something, right? Because that's what you do when you come to church. But what if church wasn't to get or to give, it was just to be? To literally be in the very presence with right here, the face of Jesus like staring at you. 
I can promise you, whatever the message was, whatever the worship looked like or sounded like, you'd walk away changed and transformed. We hit a window for about six months in church where I would go home and I would be like, she would, she'd talk me off the ledge because I'd be like, why? Why do we stand up and sing these stupid songs? And they're not stupid, but why, why are we doing why are we singing these songs? And people are coming in with the same sickness, the same disease, the same depression. When they walked in the door, then they went out. What's the point? And it's not that it's my responsibility, but it's partly mine. Because if I'm not actually worshiping, if, I'm, if it's imitation, it's fake worship, meaning I'm leading the song, but I'm not actually worshiping the one, the thing that actually changes lives and transforms. If I'm not worshiping that and I don't have an environment around me that says this is all that matters. It's great songs, it's great word. Hey bro, it's great to see you. It's been a while, yeah, you going, dude. But you, you leave with the same fear, the same lack of faith when you walked in the door. What's the point? And don't, don't mishear me. Y'all come back to church next week. Because there is something about coming into the presence that has been created because of the faithfulness of the team and because of the mother and father of the house and to honor what they bring. But here's the thing too. I've listened to him preach for a really, really long time. And I don't mean just in one sitting. Like, as long as I can remember. He's one of my favorite Bible teachers. You know why? Because he doesn't preach a message. He just preaches the Bible world of difference when someone can teach and instruct and inform you about the ways of the Lord or they can demonstrate it through the word the literal expression of God you guys have no idea what you step into every week and part of what my heart was was to rub you the wrong way just a little bit so that when you come to church you come with hunger not for good worship not for a great message not for a might not even be a nice cup of tea but you come with a hunger for Jesus to grab a hold of part of your life that you didn't give him the day before I didn't say week before I said the day before because the lifestyle that we live every single day if it was as if we were being with him I want you to picture when you get up tomorrow morning and you go to work and that first thing that you do when your eyes awake is Jesus preaching to myself right now because my phone sits like right here and I have this really bad habit I hit the snooze a few times because I always said it earlier that I want to get up and the Lord lately thinks it's really funny to wake me up like two hours before the snooze and I wake up and I go yeah I should get up and be with you right now so then I tell myself that you know we visited he put me in this quiet restful state and then my snooze goes off again I'm like dang it miss my window but sometimes you know the the affairs of the day sometimes sometimes Instagram gets priority sometimes Facebook I, I own a business so sometimes my bank balance my emails from clients sometimes sometimes they get in before he does which really sucks, by the way. Just to, am I allowed to say that, church? I don't know. In America, sucks is an okay word. Sorry. I told Dad if I say anything questionable, rebuke me publicly or clean it up later. But. Love you. I want you to imagine if the first thing when you woke up was Jesus. <laughs> I used to do this thing where I would wake up before she she did. This was before we had kids, just to put that in perspective, because since we've had kids, I have a disease where I, 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 I never heard the kids. May have been a little bit intentional, but I used to get up and I would just like... Baby, so I'm not remembering. 
You're like, but it, would, it would be weird if I was to run another woman. Yeah, okay, good. Just want to make sure. It's more, it's more um, biblically correct to mutant anyway. Be like, babe, babe, babe. The point I'm trying to illustrate is, can you imagine if you woke up and that's the way that you were wired towards him? Jesus. Where, where, where are you, Jesus, 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 Jesus. And then maybe before you put your slippers on, if you, if you do that thing, um, your robe, whatever, take a shower. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Before you sit at your desk, Jesus. Oh, can you imagine what your day would be like? Actually, let me tell you what your day would be like. Some of those difficult problems that you're trying to work through at work, the challenges in your job, supernatural wisdom, something would kick in, you'd see it a little bit different, and your perspective on it would change. Maybe that person at work, you know, the one you try to avoid. Come on. Let's be real. We all have co-workers that need more Jesus than we know how to give. So we avoid them. Yeah, you should go have lunch with them this week. Or maybe wait till after Christmas. I don't want bring, bring, bring some Jesus. Let me, let me say it a different way. Why don't you bring the Jesus that you are desperately trying to find each and every day. Release that Jesus on them and then see what happens. Just saying. Maybe I shouldn't have preached today. It was a very Christmassy message as well, but I didn't, I didn't come here to make you feel good. I mean, I did, but not like that. Maybe there's some of you that are self-employed, own a business, freelance, whatever the description of the title is, and you're trying to figure out how to, how to, how to, land something. Maybe it's landed, land a deal. Maybe, um, I just keep seeing a picture of someone who's actually trying to land a, a contract and the contract's actually bigger than what you are capable of doing in the natural. Jesus isn't. And, and I feel like if you would, if you would just be with him and say, Okay, Jesus, you got this one. I'm going to let you take it. I think he might. He, he's pretty good at what he does, in case y'all hadn't read that in the, the Bible anywhere. I didn't, I didn't wear my watch today, so I feel a little distracted, and I want to be mindful of, um, of time. All right. Okay. Uh, let's do this, because if I don't do this part, I know I'll be disobedient to what was actually in, in my heart. Let's jump into Habakkuk. Chapter 2, I want to read something to you real quick, and this, I think, will be up there. I'm reading out of the Amplified. I love the way the chapter starts. Oh, how uh, I know I have been rash to talk out plainly this way to God. Let me, let me just read that back again. I just want to actually, I need to stay up here because I'm not wearing my glasses. I have been rash to talk out plainly this way to God. I will, in my thinking, stand upon my post of observation and station myself on the tower or fortress and will watch to see what he will say within me at what answer I will make as his mouthpiece to the perplexities of my complaint against him. Now, bear in mind that Habakkuk is a dialogue between him and the Lord and he's kind of questioning and asking God a bunch of questions. Like, why are you letting that happen? Why are you doing this? And then in verse 2, And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and engrave it plainly upon tablets so that everyone who passes may be able to read it easily and quickly as he hastens by. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, 
and it hastens to the end, and it will not deceive or disappoint, though it tarry or wait. See, the, the vision, the dream that God has given you is for an appointed time. There was a reason that he gave it. And the fact that in scripture it talks about it being engraved, the physical act of having to engrave that onto a tablet. That's quite a statement that took effort. It took time. I'm guessing you'd have to believe in something if you were going to engrave it on a tablet and stick it where someone can see it, but can also read it easily and quickly. Which means it's not complicated. In the States, we talk about the 30-second elevator pitch. If someone says to me, Jamie, what does your business do? I'm like, oh, it's real simple. We help authors, artists, brands, businesses, people, musicians tell their story, sell their product online. That's what we do. That's, it's that simple. But if you say to me, Jamie, what's in your heart? What's to do? I say, love on people. Let them see the truth of who they are. I'm like, blah, 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 blah. I have all these things that just kind of come out. And the Lord's been challenging me lately to write down on paper the real me. You know, the business is great, lovely. Thank you, Lord. But we made a move to position ourselves with what we were called and faithful for. For the vision is yet for an appointed time and it hastens to the end and it will not deceive or disappoint. Father, I just, I pray that you open our eyes and our ears that we're not disappointed by where we're at. But if we are, that your grace, your mercy, and your love would cover us to walk through a season of disappointment so we don't lose sight of the vision, the thing that we were created for, the thing that we're meant to be doing, the very thing that brings us alive, and that we would have a sense of the appointed time. In verse 4, it says, Look at the proud. His soul is not straight or right within him, but the rigidity, rigidly, just, and the uncompromisingly righteous man shall live by his faith and his faithfulness. I always think about the concept of faithful. I want you to picture the jar. If the jar is empty, there's a lot of opportunity for God's faithfulness to fill the jar. If everything that you have in your life is completely fulfilled, you have no need to depend on him or anything or anyone. Sometimes we, we confuse emptiness as a negative versus it being an opportunity for the Lord to be faithful. So I can promise you that there's parts of your heart, there's dreams that you have right now that are not fulfilled yet because he is still being faithful in the process of that dream landing what it needs to be. But don't lose heart or lose sight of what the end goal is. Um, who doesn't, if you don't feel comfortable, that's fine. But who doesn't feel like you know what the thing is, the dream? You're like, I don't, I don't fully feel like I've recognized or I know exactly what it is that I'm supposed to be doing. If you want to put your hand up, great. If you just want to nod your head and look at me. I just really felt like this morning when I woke up, that there's something that I wanted to kind of just encourage you in. The dream is there. And I would encourage you, no, I would challenge you to seek him. Be, be with him as you begin to discover what that is. But stop overthinking it as well. I want to read this Philippians 4. 
this is actually what this was the part of the message that originally I was like, okay, I've got this thing I want to share. And the Lord was like, nope, we're going to go over here. But I want to read to you Philippians chapter four, one through eight, because there is a, um, there's a part of this section of scripture that I, that I'm believing is going to begin to unlock some things. So verse one says, therefore, my brethren, and I need you to hear the words whom I love and I yearn to see. There's that Jesus who says, I just, just want to be, I want to be with you. I just want to see you. Yearn. Yearn to see you. My delight, my crown. Thus stand firm in the Lord, my beloved. I mean, everything about Jesus' life went out of his way to let you know how much the Father loves you. The Father of everything put his son on a cross to fulfill the law and the covenant so that we could be in right relationship, that we could approach, that we could receive, that we could give, that we could be with the one. I entreat and advise Theodia and I entreat and advise Sintik or Sintaiki, depending upon where you're from, to agree and to work in harmony in the Lord. And I exhort you to my genuine yoke fellow, help these two women to keep on cooperating for they have toiled along with me in the spreading of the good news the gospel as have Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life rejoice in the Lord always delight gladden yourself in him again I say rejoice something happens when your mindset and your belief system is filled with joy and filled with peace and filled with the truth of God's word that no matter what comes at you or what you experience in life, all you can do is rejoice. All you can do is stay in that place of peace. Let all men know and perceive and recognize your unselfishness, your considerateness, your forbearing spirit. The Lord is near. He's coming soon. Verse 6, do not fret or have any anxiety about anything, but in every circumstance and in everything by prayer and petition, definite requests with thanksgiving, continue to make your wants known to the Lord and God's peace, not the world's, not social, whatever that is. God's peace shall be yours. That tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ. And so, fearing nothing from God and being content with its earthly lot of whatever sort that is, that peace, which transcends all understanding, shall garrison and mount guard over your hearts and your minds. This is... He wants it all, mind, spirit, and soul, body. He's fighting for us. There's a guard over our heart and our mind. This verse. <laughs> for the rest, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is worthy of reverence and is honorable and seemingly, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, lovable, whatever is kind, whatever is winsome and gracious, if there is any virtue and excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think on and weigh and take account of these things. Fix your minds on them. I remember as a kid, mom would come ask me to do something and she'd walk out and be like, whatever. So the, the word, whatever, has a negative connotation. Like, yeah, whatever. We, we always joke in Alicia's family when it was like Sunday after church, what do you want to eat? I don't care, whatever, whatever. And the truth is you do care because the minute somebody picks the restaurant that you don't like, you're like, yeah, no, I don't like that one. But whatever had a negative connotation. So when I used to read this scripture and when I remember actually looking at this going like, okay, so whatever is worthy, whatever is honorable. So, okay, it's got to be worthy. It's got to be honorable. It's got to be seemingly lovable, whatever. So unless it isn't any of those things, then I, I shouldn't fix my mind on it. But what if scripture was read like this? Whatever is worthy. Whatever is just. Whatever is pure. Whatever your dream 
in your heart is honorable, seeming, just, pure, loving, good versus evil, right versus wrong. Whatever God has placed in your heart, if your mind is fixed on Him and the thing that He has given you, why can't it be worthy and just and lovable and pure? We get stuck in the what's going to be the right thing. It's going to be the most, like, I know so many people that have spent their entire lives trying to figure out what the whatever is, and God's going, I'm just hoping you'll do whatever. And I hope you grasp this point today, even in the English culture. I sound American, but I've spent 24 years, I'm British, all the way on the inside. Especially, I get it. But like, seriously, like, whatever. Whatever you want to put your hands to. Whatever you dream and desire. Whatever you wake up in the middle of the night going, I want to do that thing. Unless I'm confused and none of you actually love Jesus and are saved. My approach to it is this. I love the Lord and I'm learning to be in love with Him. So whatever I choose to put my hands to, I'm doing for His glory. I'm doing for His goodness. Whatever it is, whether it's marketing a client mentoring a musician or worshiping the father whatever i put my hands to i believe is just is right is loving because i didn't wake up today going okay who am i going to kill before i get to church i didn't wake up and go i wonder who i can discourage today before they have their morning coffee and i certainly didn't wake up this morning and go i wonder if i could come to church and ruin everybody's days and hope they have a horrible church experience that's not who we are as believers are we is everybody in here safe am i am i too loud all right, I just want to make sure. Whatever is the thing that's in your heart, fix your mind on it, give it to Him, be with Him, and then go do it. Let me tell you something. If God... No, that's not going to sound right. I have... There are songs that are in the earth right now that I wrote but was never brave enough or bold enough and didn't believe in the dream enough and the faithfulness of God and didn't trust in his ability not my own to release that song on the earth myself there are literally verses that I'm like that dude grabbed my notebook and stole it that was those are my lyrics I can prove it and you know what the Lord told me he was faithful to release what I gave him you were not I was like, well, <laughs> we're, we're not going to have this discussion again. Like, not being selfish, but I got a lot of unfinished ideas that are about to become finished ideas. But the dream that God has given me is being embraced with my being in love with Him above everything else. I spend a lot of time on platforms and stages. And I really don't care if I do or if I don't, except for when he tells me that I need to. I spend a lot of time sitting across the table from people that own businesses where they're facing millions of dollars in turnover. And they're freaking out over how to get something right so they don't lose everything that matters to them. And you know what I think, man, if you knew Jesus like I knew Jesus, and one day Jesus is like, well, I mean, you... You could reveal some of me to them. After all, I put you at this table. Like, not for you, bro. <laughs> what I'm hoping is that when you leave and you go to work, actually, you probably have the day off tomorrow. Like, I don't even know. When you go back to work or when you're with, let's make it really personal, when you're with family this week over Christmas that you don't always enjoy being with, but you know you have to tolerate being with because it's Christmas and that's what we do. Why don't you literally be the living reflection of God's love, of his grace, of the goodness? Like be the face, feet, hands, heart, and mouth of the Jesus that you say you love. But this time, be it as if you were in love with him. I probably should quit there. Why don't you all stand on your feet real quick? Just... Put your hands up to the Father. Close your eyes for me if you would.
want you to draw your attention to the one. Lord, I ask right now in this very moment, as your kids, as we're just fixing our attention and our gaze on you, that our hearts are just before you, that what you, what you do in these moments is life-changing. I speak release in the natural, from the supernatural to the natural. I speak release, release of provision, release of purpose, release of passion, and that for some there would be a renewed determination to dig your heels in until you see it through. And for others, it would be that stirring like the fire would begin to build up again on the inside that you you went cold because you haven't seen what you're looking for or what you were hoping for, but that you would just stay on fire until it's revealed, until the appointed time actually lands in your life. But Father, today I ask and we call on you that you would begin to release in the supernatural and also into the natural so that we might be the walking expressions, that we would literally be people on earth that the world looks at and go, why are you so happy? Why do you have so much joy? Why is there so much purpose in your life? Why do you, why do you walk with a, with a pep in your step? How come you come to work in the morning and you don't need a cup of coffee before you get happy? that we would literally be so planted in you that everything that we put our hands to would prosper and that we would simply believe as children do in the dreams that were placed in our hearts. If you want it, if you agree, if you believe, on the count of three, I want a football match worthy, not a church, worthy, football match worthy, amen. One, two, three. Amen! We believe you've really enjoyed this message. For further information, visit www.commonwealthchurch.org and feel free to join us on any Sunday 